Hi there. This is Strength in the Details, a podcast that goes beyond reps, sets, and programming and focuses on the mental aspects of exercise, training, and performance. I'm your host, Dr. Anaja Newsom, owner and founder of Coaching Kilos. I'm an educator, exercise scientist, coach, and weightlifting athlete. With more than a decade of professional experience in sport and fitness, I've had the privilege of working with a variety of athletes and clients. And I truly believe that the impact of mental skills, motivation, and self-efficacy are often overlooked in our industry and underappreciated in exercise behavior change, sport performance preparation, and everyday coaching practices. So join me as I invite industry experts, elite athletes, coaches, and researchers to a conversation about the gritty details. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Strength in the Details, where we go beyond the debate on reps and sets and exercise programming and get to the gritty details of what it takes to really find strength you need to be successful in the gym and on the platform. I'm your host, Dr. Anaja Newsom, and I am here with a really special friend and guest, Danielle Palmer. Danny Palmer has been a multi-sport athlete for most of her life and is currently a weightlifting athlete for Team Oli Concepts in Orlando, Florida. Danny holds a Bachelor's of Science in Sports and Exercise from the University of Central Florida and is now pursuing advanced education as a student of physical therapy at Advent Health University, class of 2023. Um, Prior to physical therapy school, she worked and gained experience as a certified personal trainer. And her time as an athlete and her work with clients in the gym is what inspired her to become a doctor of physical therapy. Being an athlete, she had her fair share of injuries, including two ACL tears. This unfortunate injury allowed Danny to understand the importance of physical therapy and clinical work and gave her perspective on the type of clinician she desires to be. I'd like to welcome Danny Palmer to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here, Danny. I'm so excited. I am super excited too. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what what kind of goes into your mindset as an athlete? Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because I feel like my mindset recently developed as an athlete because um, for a really long time, I felt like I was, and I still am, so like, but uh, I felt like I was uh, a very critical athlete where I was, um, I was almost too self-aware. Like I was almost so focused on making sure that I knew like my place in the hierarchy of like my team's sport um, and like how my skill level was and things like that, that um, I put too much time into that. And rather than actually putting in the, the mindset that's required, like confidence wise, you know, and actually like working on that aspect of being an athlete. Uh, So now weightlifting has really challenged me to kind of rethink that mindset and encourage myself more. Was there any particular thing that really like triggered that for you, like helped you make that switch to be like focused on yourself and your own confidence in the sport? Um, I think just a lot of talks. So a lot of talks with Danny, like Danny Camargo and um, just kind of learning like every day, like kind of feeling what I was feeling. I felt like when I tore my ACL and I came back to Olympic weightlifting, Uh, it was really hard because I was so scared of like just something random happening. And then like, I was just going to re-tear my, my knee. Right. Like, um, like I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to pick up this empty barbell and then it's just going to tear. And like, that's, that's, that's it. 
Uh, so there were a lot of days where I just would walk in and I remember one day in particular, I like walk up to Danny and I was just like, I, I don't know what I need right now, but I just need something. I just needed to tell you that like, I feel really, really anxious right now. And I don't, I don't know why I need to tell you that. <laughs> and, um, it's nice it's nice he is who he is because like I feel like we were able to like kind of he like responded in a really nice way and like was there for me um but it kind of made me realize that it was something that I needed to work on and that like I was a really anxious person and that was kind of what was holding me back from performing how I could perform if that makes sense yeah and and that's interesting that you bring that up because I I feel like I encountered that a lot that you know with athletes that kind of focus on the what could go wrong as opposed to the what could go right like what can I learn from this situation and I you know I have to admit sometimes I have those moments um I also came back from an injury um I tore my rotator cuff it's actually still partially torn and so there were moments for about six months where every time I picked up a bar I was like okay is this the time is this the is this the movement Ooh, that felt funny and it's like you, you kind of have to like reset your, your thinking and your mindset in order to overcome that injury and reestablish confidence in what you're doing. So I, I definitely have worked with athletes and clients who have that same thinking of, you know, what could go wrong and, and they feel really anxious um, about that. And I think working through that is really difficult. It's really challenging and it takes a lot of like introspective work and, you know, like digging deep inside yourself and understanding like what is actually triggering you um, and work through that in order to help you become a more confident athlete. Cause I've seen you kill it on the platform recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like trying to, but no, like, honestly, like you said so many good points of like, it's really just about having to reevaluate what you're feeling and like recognizing and recognizing what you're feeling. Cause a lot of the time, I think when I was in my team sports, I was super anxious and I didn't know what that was. Like, I, I didn't even know what anxiety was. And when people would talk about it, I would be like, that's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that. like, I can't relate to you. Um, and then recently, like this, like past two years, I'm like, oh, wait, no, I highly relate to like everything that is being said. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just like taking the time every session to reevaluate how you're feeling and also being okay, like being okay with how you're feeling. Like, I think our first instinct is to like, kind of combat that and be like, stop feeling anxious. Like that's like, that's dumb. This is just a, this is just like a barbell thing. Like you shouldn't be feeling anxious right now instead of just recognizing like, okay, I am anxious mm -hmm. and like kind of dealing with that instead. I know there was like, I used to, I used to be better about like writing in notebooks, but that kind of helped me too, where if let's say I was doing like a set of like a snatch or something like that, and uh, it felt really bad. And then I would just get that wave of anxiety. Like, why is it bad? Why did my knee feel bad? All this other stuff. And I'm like thinking and I'm thinking. Um, so what would help me is I would write down exactly what I was thinking. And then I'd write a sentence underneath that. That was like, if it was like a little bit irrational, then I'd kind of be like, okay, I would prove to myself why it's irrational, right? Like if I'm scared about my knee, I'd be like, okay, um, I am two years out. I'm two years post-surgery. I've been doing all my strength things. I've been doing all my accessories. Like, so the chances of me tearing my ACL right now are very unlikely. So 
I think that was like also really helpful for me too, like kind of just like seeing it written written on paper, you know? Yeah, I think that's that's a really good tip for anyone that is wondering how they can kind of self-talk, like positive self-talk themselves through, you know, a training session where they might be feeling anxious, um, you know, being able to write down, I, I know we do train and we write down notes about, you know, the numbers on the barbell, like, you know, I took two reps there and I, or, or I missed that, or, you know, maybe they're writing down RPE, but like, take a second to write down how you're feeling about that training session, write down how, you know, what do you, what do you, what are you mentally dealing with on that day? There's been times where I've literally missed like 50% of my snatches and I have to just take a second and I'm like, what else is happening? What is contributing contributing mentally to my performance today, to my training session today? And I think that's an important part to write down in that training log because that also shows development over a training cycle. It's not just about you know, increasing your weight or increasing the reps. It's also about changing your mindset and developing your mental strength over, over the course of that 12-week or 16-week cycle. Could you talk a little bit about um, how you deal with that in competition? Cause that is very different, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man. You know, what's really funny about competition is I think the first three weightlifting competitions, I, I didn't tell you this. I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was just sitting in the back room and I'm just trying to warm up. And I just felt everything. And I was like, I hate this so much. Like I'm feeling too much. Um, and it's just so funny. Cause like, I don't know. I don't think I, I had experienced that before, like, you know, in, um, I guess team sports, but not to that extent, because you have team sports where they're watching everybody. Like you don't, they're not necessarily only watching you. And then you come out to weightlifting and it's like, they're watching me for five seconds. and I hope I I do well (laughs) um so I think first couple times uh it was kind of one of those things where I didn't recognize it as a problem or recognize that I had the tools to kind of control the problem um I think I think you kind of know about this too but I was so I'm trying to study for like my CSCS and like one of the chapters they talk about like psychology and um that's kind of where it kind of clicked for me right because at states so states of last year I remember that was like one of my worst meets of the year I didn't bomb out but I was very close you were there (laughs) and and I remember just thinking to myself like I I'm feeling it's not that I'm not like hype enough it's that I'm too hype right now like I I don't know where my body is when I step up to the bar I don't know how to, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, it's crazy. I've been training for two years. Like at some point your body knows what it's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I felt like there was just too, there was too much, like, I guess too much noise is what I'll say. Um, and they kind of talk about that in like that psychology um, section. And it's just interesting how there's like two sides of the spectrum, either you're not hype enough enough or you're too hype. And nobody really talks about the two hype of it all. So um, what I did was when I, I recognized the problem, first of all, I was like, okay, right now, I think for um, most weightlifting meets, I'm just too, like, I'm too overstimulated. So what do I need to do? Um, I, so my next meet, I've kind of made a game plan the day before I was like, okay, I'm going to get to my meet. 
Um, I'm going to see how I'm feeling. And if I feel like overwhelmed, then I'm just going to remove myself from the situation, go sit somewhere and just like put my nose noise canceling headphones on. And that's what I'm going to do. Um, and that really worked for me where every time I felt like that little bit of like anxiety, I would recheck in. I'd be like, okay, what do I need to do? Um, and I was doing this like two hours before I'm, I mean, honestly, like the entire day, but especially like the two, three to two hours, like before I was on the platform. And then even when I like sat down and I'm like getting ready to warm up, um, I was like, okay, is it time to listen to my hype music or should I leave my ocean sounds on? Like, what should I do? Ocean and, um, and a weightlifting me. Yeah, I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm telling you that was on for two hours for the, like when I was waiting to go and lift. And I was just so, it's so funny. Cause it's like, I should be la- listening to rap music. I should be listening to like all this hype music. Um, and that just wasn't me. And I think that's a part, a part of like what I did. It's just interesting. Like how I felt like I had to do things like, oh, I have to be sociable. I have to talk to my teammates. I have to do this. Um, I have to listen to hype music. That's what everyone else does. So it's like, so I should be doing it too. And once you realize that you're your own person and it's very easy to say, but it's very hard to do. And you can like, what stimulates you doesn't necessarily stimulate someone else. What you need in that moment is not necessarily what everyone else needs. Like, that's okay. And that's like a really, I feel like a really powerful tool because now you're taking your own mindset into like your own control. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, not to nerd out, but I, I teach exercise psychology and one of my favorite chapters is on the models and theories of arousal, right? So similar to what you're talking about, there's these, there's a, a lot of different mo- models. The one that I see the most is uh, the catastrophe theory of, of arousal, which says like, at a certain level, the more arousal we feel or the more attention or focus that we are experiencing in the moment, the better our performance is, right? But then at a certain point, your arousal and your performance level kind of peak. After that, it ju- your, your performance um, decreases dramatically and it becomes this catastrophe. Like it's an extreme sudden decline in performance and you can't do the things that you like do in training um, it, you seem to not be able to get it together. You cannot recover or rebound. And so it's kind of just like falling off of a cliff. Right. And so as coaches, as athletes, we have to figure out how can we find that balance between being hype enough, right? Because you can be understimulated where you're not performing because you don't have a, a high enough level of arousal. So you can be understimulated, but then, you know, you get close to that cliff how close can you get to that cliff without falling off? So like, I, I love that you kind of brought that in because that's something that I really like try to understand. And it's different for every single person. That level of hype is so different. Um, and that that perfect or, or that optimal level is it just it's different for everyone. Um, but recognizing that about yourself, you know, kudos to you, because I think that goes a long way in being self-sufficient as an athlete in the sport, especially when it's an individual sport. Yeah, it's like, it's just so crazy being in an individual sport now and learning how like self-sufficient you have, you have to be. Um, I think that was like probably the hardest adjustment that I've like had to make. Um, but it's one that's like, I'm, I'm happy I've made like in the long run. Yeah. 
I've, 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 made watched, I've watched you grow in that, that aspect. Um, so there's a lot of different reasons that we play in sport. We play sports or that we participate in a sport, right? There's, there's this need to, you know, maybe be a part of a group, that social support, belonging, there might be some body recomposition, strength gains, body weight loss, fat loss that we want to do. And then there's this idea of just feeling healthier and having a positive attitude. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, I've, I've seen you mention on your social media about just training for positive feeling, positive mental health, and just overall feeling good about yourself. Could you talk about how, what that looks like for athletes and how, you know, maybe they can train with goals of just feeling better and moving better in sport and fitness? Yeah, I think that, I think not to kind of bring it into this topic too, but I feel like, especially as women, there's just like so much focus on how we look especially in sport rather than like people solely looking at your performance and like how you're doing and how you are performing in your sport there's also that aspect of oh well she has abs too and that's pretty sick like yeah. and I feel like people just like society as a whole tends to comment on that a lot more so it's hard it's hard as an individual athlete to not put that in like the forefront of your mind and be like, oh, well, not only do I have to perform well, I have to look good too. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I feel like I still, while I still struggle with that, I feel for me, I just always kind of put performance first. So like, if I always got my aesthetics with it, like that was great. But at the end of the day, like I wanted to really perform well and I think it's just hard to like kind of generalize it for everybody. But again, it's kind of like looking at yourself and maybe even like kind of making a list for yourself and seeing how you feel after after practice, how you feel after a game, because uh, that's that might be like where your feeling is like highest, like your I guess your positive vibes and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so, but that'll be a nice little snapshot to see like, OK, um, look at how great I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling so excited. I'm feeling like stronger. I'm feeling, if we're talking about weightlifting, I'm feeling stronger. I'm feeling faster. I'm moving great. Like, um, those are really powerful, like internal markers that like you should make a note of so that you can kind of actually see it. Like it's one thing to feel it, but then when you actually see it written down, I feel like it's more, um, solidified if that kind of makes sense so that's that's one thing that you can do but I think it's also just making sure that what you're kind of that you're not comparing yourself to too much to other people as well I think I think this might like kind of go into like another topic so you can stop me if it's, <laughs> it's going fast forwarding into another one um but being really aware of like when on social media like when you're looking at certain athletes and things like that um, are you kind of comparing yourself to them and are you comparing your bodies to them? Because like we said, just like a couple of minutes ago, everybody's different. Every, how everyone gets hyped up is different and body looks aesthetics, same way. Everybody's different. Some are genetically blessed. Some have schedules where they can focus more on uh, how they eat, what they eat, things like that. And some people aren't like that. And some people, they can't put that like on the forefront of their day. So I think just 
really being trying to be self-aware with how you're feeling and even taking tools like just writing things down when you're feeling them um, is like such a small thing, but it'll make you more aware of it. And it kind of solidifies again, like, okay, I'm feeling this way. Uh, I don't have to feel this way. And maybe if I take away looking at this person or comparing myself to this person, maybe that'll make me feel better and like focus on other things that are more important. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I, I think you brought up the social media thing and we can totally go down that, that rabbit hole because I think it does impact our society so much in how we feel about ourselves. And, you know, I'm, I can't sit in here and say that I don't look at social media from time to time and be like, Hmm, I, you know, like they're lifting more than me or they're in a, a low, especially when you're in a a body, a sport that is dependent on body weight class, right? So when you're focusing on being a certain weight, you know, that then lends itself to aesthetics, not naturally. Um, and then, you know, then it's like kind of spirals into what I should look like and how I should look when I'm lifting and, you know, oh, they have a faster turnover. Or, oh, they have, you know, they jerk this way or they clean this way. And, you know, maybe that's how I should look. It's, it's really hard to not compare yourself. Um, how do you think social media has impacted kind of self-efficacy and self-esteem when it comes to body image and aesthetics in sport? Mm -hmm. I think, it's a little bit both negative and positive, right? There are definitely some positives. I think the negatives are kind of just glaringly obvious where it's like, you know, like just what you said, like it's on your feed all the time. And then you're not even at that point, you're not even only, you're not only comparing like your body image, right? You're comparing like her lift looks so good <laughs> and we're about the same weight. Yeah. Why does she look like that? And I look like this. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Um, so in that aspect, it can be, it can be kind of negative. Right. Um, but on the positive end of that, you get to see all of these different stories. And that's what I really love. That's one of the things that I love about social media is, um, people willing to open up, especially athletes willing to open up about their own struggles and willing to show everybody that like, Hey, like it's hard, like this is a hard life. And, um, and being okay with like, just sharing like my anxieties, how I'm feeling. Um, I mean, when the whole like Simone Biles thing happened, like I was just like, I feel like, so it was crazy to me. Cause you never think at that high level that they're thinking the same things they're having the same anxieties. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really, it was, I feel bad, but it was really cool to kind of like realize like okay even high level athletes struggle and so it's it's okay to struggle but it's also okay to advocate for yourself and try to find like things that'll help you as well um and that's the other nice thing about social media is that you get to see that like number one you're not alone in what you're feeling like this is like other people feel this too. Number two, other people get to kind of share their own tools as well of like what helped them and like what, what kind of pushed them like and what they needed to do to get what they needed to perform well, if that makes sense. 
I do like that's a that's an interesting perspective, the the connection that you can get on social media and you know if you use it correctly. And I think that is a big disclaimer is if you're using it correctly, you get to connect with folks and you know who may be different from you, who may be far away from you, but have a similar story and you know you get to see the beauty in a variety of different stories and a variety of different journeys and how you know each person got to where they they are you know in their success or in their career um and and that's really something beautiful that i i don't know that i've thought of it that way um i i still like i struggle with social media and i struggle with like the this idea that you know you you only see the highlight reel of folks you only see um, the, the PRs and the made lifts. And, you know, you see the highlight reel of like a perfect training, no miss cycle, you know, or no miss training session. And I'm like, you don't get to see the, the, the struggle of how someone got there. And you don't need to, you don't get to see all of the work that they put into, you know, their mobilization and their, their nutrition and their recovery. And like, I feel like that's the part that we don't, really get to see on social media but you're right if we pay attention if we connect with the right folks and use it for the right reasons then you do get to see that you just have to choose that you want to see that and so in that way it's kind of up to us to decide how we're using the tool um that's really good i like that yeah i totally agree too with like it's just it really is just about paying attention to what is on your feed what is what is filling your glass? What is emptying your glass? You know, like, and it's hard to recognize it in the moment because like you're going, and I do the same thing. Like I, I definitely have people I follow on there that I'm like, ah, I feel like I'm kind of like hate following you a little bit. <laughs> like, I don't know why, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Um, but just like, maybe if you kind of make the majority of people that you follow people that like really do inspire you and kind of show you like, Hey, like it's okay to struggle because let me tell you, weightlifting's all about struggling. I feel like that's like the name of the game. Uh, and it's really easy, especially in the community to compare and then also be like, oh, well, they never struggle. They've never had an injury. And like, you know, not kind of see that, like see that negative aspect of it. Yeah. What tips do you have for, you know, maybe if we shift the focus from athletes having this, you know, the, the weight or the PR or the number, um, types of goals as it relates to strength sports, um, a part of being able to shift our, our mindset in training is having some non-weight related goals for strength, for, for strength training. What, in what ways could an athlete set and achieve non, you know, scale related goals or non, you know, like number specific on the barbell PR types of goals? Mm. I feel like it's so funny because um, that's a little bit harder with the non the non PR goals. Because <laughs> uh, I was gonna say like uh, one of the blessings of being in a strength sport is really the number on the scale. All that matters is what you weigh in as, right? Like when you compete. Um, and I think so. That was like the nice part about it, right? But you're right. Strength gaining strength is really hard. <laughs> like it is really hard, especially when you enter into a strength sport never having like any other experience prior to that, it's hard. And you have social media like comes in too. And it's kind of like telling you like, oh, well they're doing it. Like, why can't I do it? Um, so I think my best advice is trying to find other things that make you happy with the sport. So for me, 
I, I'm very, well, you know, I'm very like, I guess, technique driven where it's like, I, I love it when it looks really good. And if it looks bad and it was a PR, I'm like, that doesn't count. I don't like that. Like, I'm like, I might as well not done it. Like, um, I, so that's just personally for me. And I think every athlete is going to be different. Um, but I just know whenever I step into the gym and, uh, I have like a really good, like solid technique day, especially on snatch, I'm like, I'm loving life. I'm like, I love this sport. This is so great. And, and I feel like that kind of gets me through those times where I'm like, oh, like my numbers aren't that great. Like, I feel like my, like for my weight class, it's just not competitive and da, 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 and all that stuff. Um, also recognizing what time you're at in the sport. So for example, technically, I think I've been in this sport for four years, but I had like six months I'll give it a year of like re recovery back from my ACL tear, right? Mm -hmm. So realistically, I haven't spent that much time in this sport. So mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense why my numbers aren't looking too great, right? And if everything else is checking off, like I love my coaches, I love my teammates. Um, and I think that we have a really good community, then just trust in that too. Mm -hmm. So recognizing what year you're at, um, your actual like, they used to say like strength age. I don't know. That's what I learned like in school. Sport age. Or okay. So like your sport age. So realizing like how long have you been in that sport or like how long have you been training for and being realistic with yourself? Like I would love it. I it would be amazing if uh, I had just picked up a barbell and I was like the most amazing person. Like I was Kate and I or something like that. Like, but realistically there aren't that many of those people, those like natural athletes out there. So mm -hmm. it's okay. It's okay. And that's okay. Like that's the whole fun of it. Right. Like it wouldn't be fun if every time I walked into the gym, I was like hitting like PR after PR after PR. I feel like it sounds fun. Like I just said it and it sounds fun, but I promise you it just wouldn't be because then where's the challenge? Yeah. The, like part of the sport, part of the fun of the sport, honestly, is the struggle. Like fighting your way through the sport is, I like, it really teaches you so much and it builds so much character. Mm -hmm. um, so don't be, try not to be so caught up in the negative parts of the struggle to not see all of like the gifts that it's giving you because it's making you a stronger person outside of the sport as well. Yeah, that's a really great perspective. And I know a couple of years ago, I shifted my focus from being a, an athlete primarily to being a coach. And with that came a change in my mindset as well, where, you know, my focus is on coaching and, and do I still train? Absolutely. Um, as most of you know, I finished up my PhD last December, but the four years of, of school did not allow me to really focus on training the way I, I wanted to. And I had to accept that it was really hard. I struggled. I had, I was sad, <laughs> but I had to realize it was for a better purpose. And then I made this decision to really focus on coaching skills and, and being a good coach and being the best coach I could be to, to athletes that I work with. And my training, you know, got not I wouldn't necessarily say it was on the back burner I just didn't have the focus of competing all of the time and so um I don't know that I've seen a PR in like years but when I tell you consistency of training 
And when I can consistently get in a good training session three days a week, I feel so accomplished. And so for me, it's not a, it's not a PR, it's not, you know, added kilos on the bar, but it's like, I'm dedicating 90 minutes to myself to focus on my technique. I'm also a, a technique snob. Like I'm like, yeah, you PR'd, but it was ugly. So like, <laughs> <laughs> no, again. I mean, you know, sometimes though, like sometimes a grind, a grinder of like a, a PR, like I'll give it to you. Right. But then I want you to come back like in a couple of weeks and I want you to make it pretty. Like I, <laughs> um, so I, I do believe in technique work and I'm, I feel like I'm always working on my technique. I'm always working on how I can improve, you know, being a weightlifter is all about efficiency. It's not about being the biggest brute strength athlete. It's about power and it's about efficient movement. So I'm always looking at ways to make my technique more efficient um, and get more consistent um, consistency at certain weights. To me, if I can have a consistent if I can consistently hit like 85 to 90% of my one rep max, I feel like, man, that's a really great goal because how many times are you going to consistently hit your one rep max? Like if you can consistently hit your one rep max, it's not, it's not your one rep max. So, yeah, yeah um, that's true. Those are some good, good tips and advice you get, you gave um, for setting non body weight and non like PR related goals. Um, let's shift a little bit if you don't mind. Because I know sure. that you are studying physical therapy. Um, and I think one of the things that we don't talk a lot about is the impact that injuries and aches and pains have on our mental health when it comes to sport, especially if you're a passionate athlete that really wants to train and really is passionate about competing in their sport. Um, so how, how, do, how do you think that sport-related injuries impact our overall mental health in sport? I mean, I think it's so huge. Like I, I think even the small nagging injuries, I think can really shift your focus on and your performance in the sport, because especially, especially I feel like with weightlifting, right? Because you're doing the same movement over again and over and over and over again, right? Well, that same movement hurts in the same spot over and over and over and over again. And especially if, you don't know kind of what's going on. Uh, that's a scary feeling. Like all I know. Okay. So mind you, my background is in exercise science and I'm studying to be a physical therapist. And when I tell you, if I have like a shoulder thing, like every time I snatch, all I can think the rest of the session is my shoulder's just going to pop out. That's it. That's what's going to happen. I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is every time I'm like, snatch, I'm like, yeah, it's going to pop out on the next one. Um, so I definitely think it has like a huge impact on like your, your mental game as well. And in, in a sport that's already so mental, it's just another addition to that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you have navigated your own injuries and rehab and coming back into the sport and what advice would you give to others when it comes to, you know, seeking that help? Um, we talked a little bit about how, you know, maybe your goals may shift, maybe your motivation shifts. Talk to us a little bit about how that impacted you. Yeah, I think um, I'm definitely no stranger to working around injuries. I feel like every other cycle, I'm like, yep, here we are. Here we are again. My favorite thing. Uh, and I think, I think it's really, it's a coordinated effort. First of all, I think that uh, depending on what you're dealing with, 
number one person to first go to is your coach and like talk to them and like let them know what's going on because if they don't know what's going on then they can't really help you right like they all they're gonna see is the outside of it is that like you're missing um you're upset you're probably like standoffish because like you don't want to talk because this is hurting and like you feel like you need to suck it up yeah. uh, but if you have if you're working with the right people they're going to want to listen to you and uh, they will also help you figure out whether or not this is something to be worried about or something that can be kind of pushed through mm-hmm. at the same time you want to be your own advocate and i think i understand why so many people wait in like strength sports they like wait before they go and see like a physical therapist or see like a doctor um or a physician because it's expensive and a lot of the time you don't know okay is this injury like something to be worried about or is it something that you know i just didn't sleep right last night i just didn't do this that and the other uh i think again going back to just making notes and like writing out like if you're starting to feel something be cognizant of when did it start and is it progressing? Is it staying the same? Is it worsening? Um, And then again, asking your coach, do they know anybody that may be able to help you? And do they know anybody? I know that sometimes um, through like, through the club, certain like coaches will know like massage therapists and things like that, that may give a discount to you if you like go to them Um, and trust in that, right? Like, so go see, like talk to your coach and then just also just keeping track of like the injury and seeing how it's like kind of progressing and if it's getting worse and if it's affecting your mental, your mental health as well. So, okay, I am feeling this pain, but how is it affecting me in practice? How is it affecting me when I'm actually weightlifting? Uh, am I constantly thinking of it? Am I um, not really thinking about it at all? Cause I think that'll also give you a better idea of it's something that needs to be dealt with or something that can be, you can work through it. Yeah, absolutely. And so for the coaches that are listening, um, I think one of the recommendations, like what Danny was just mean uh, bringing up was that it's important for us to have networks, right? It's important for us to, um, one, always operate in your scope of practice, um, you know, I get athletes all the time, like, Hey, you know, I kind of feel this in my knee. What should I do? And I'm like, all right, if it's not strength related, and if it's not mobility related, then you need to go see someone that can like look at it and tell you what to do and help you address it. Because I am not a physical therapist. Um, I do that kind of dive into corrective exercises, but we need to rule out, like, is it structural? Um, is it a functional injury? Like, is it acute? Is it chronic? Like what happened to it? Is it just inflammation? Do you just need to take time off? Cause you know, some athletes, they don't like to take time off. I'm looking at you, Danny. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, I'm guilty of this too. I'm like, well, my knee hurts, but I'm going to keep training because I don't want to lose my gains. Like you're not going to lose your gains. If you just take a second step back, you know, you know, take some off time. Everyone needs an off season. And this, the, crappy part is that we can choose to take that off season when, when, when we want, or we're going to be forced to take that off season when we are so injured that we can't move a barbell. And that's the unfortunate part about this sport is that, you know, sometimes it just takes that one aggravation. And now, you know, you're, you're out for an indefinite amount of time where 
had you just gone to see a physical therapist or gone to see someone that can help kind of figure out a course of action, um, you know, we wait too long. So I, I appreciate you sharing, you know, what, what things that we need to look for as athletes and as coaches when we're dealing with injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to just say, yeah, I think I totally agree with you too on like the scope of practicing. I think it's, it's just interesting um, because when I was a personal trainer, I almost wanted to be everything for my client. Like I, I just wanted to give them so much because I care, you know, I cared about them. You build that relationship and you just want to help them. And so when like injuries would come up, it's like, I would almost feel guilty that I didn't have the tools to help them. And it's like, so it's just interesting. Like, it's interesting that we forget that you're not supposed to have all the tools. Mm -hmm. Like that would be way too much for one person. That's why we want to make sure that we have like a network of people that we can work with so that when something does arise, we have a solution for you. And like, we have somebody that we're working with that can, is better equipped to help you with this issue so that I can better fine tool, fine tool, fine tune my tools and fine tune everything that I'm doing. So that aspect is taken care of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. That's great advice. Um, And I think as young professionals in the sport, I think we all fall into that trap. Like I need to be everything. I need to be able to cater to every single thing from, you know, my, my big pet peeve right now is that every single personal trainer thinks they are nutrition coach as well. Um, And I'm just like, no, stay in your lane, focus on exercise programming, focus on, you know, the mental training that goes into exercise and stay out of the nutrition lane, but we won't go down that path today. Um, but I just want you to know that it is something that whenever I see it, it's like certified personal trainer and nutrition coach. And I'm like, mm, do you have both? Like I <laughs> study both of those things or like, cause one didn't come with the other. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know I digress yeah but it's so important that we stay in our lane and that you know as as we progress in the field um, I think one of my mentors told me this several years ago and it changed my mindset if you want to be the best at something you have to dedicate your time to being the best and if you want to be the best at a lot of things remember that you're cutting that percentage down in half that you can really dedicate. So if you want to be the best at one thing, you can give 100% effort. But if you're trying to be the best at five things, remember, you're only giving 20% of what you could actually give to that um, individual. And I, that really stuck with me. And I, I, it really forced me to like, pare down what it is that I specialize in. And, and I think that helps though, because it kind of takes the pressure off. Oh, yeah, for sure. When I, It's just so funny because like when I uh, got into school and I kind of um, learned like about red flags, things like that, like things that like I that are, hey, this is not my scope. I need to send you to somebody else. I was like, I I was like, thank God there's somebody out there that knows about this that I can send you to. It, It does take a lot of because you just put so much pressure on yourself to be everything for that patient, for that client. And it's just, it's exactly what you said. It's just like, it's unrealistic, you know? Before we go, I really wanna give you the opportunity to, you know, if if you have the top three things that you really want listeners to take away from this episode, we call them the, the gritty details. What are the gritty details of your kind of message on positive training mentality um, and, and dealing with kind of the body image and, and the aesthetics that comes along with our sport? 
Yeah. Um, I, I wrote mine down and I think I had, I think I had one more too that okay. I'm going to say too. Um, so one of the things, let me see, which, okay. So one of the things talking about body image, um, fitness and exercise has so much more to offer you than just aesthetics. And I think that once you start letting go of the ideal body image, you can appreciate all the good things that moving can do for you. So just really focusing on all those positive things and how you're feeling after, after a good training session um, is so powerful in itself. Mm. And another thing that I said was there's no such thing as a perfect program. The perfect program is the one that inspires you to move. And why I say that is because I feel like so many people get hung up on what should I do at the gym? What does, what do I need to do today? Uh, like they get so hung up on it that they won't even walk into the gym or like walk into somewhere because they feel like they need to have this perfect thing written out that's going to get them to where they need to go. At the end of the day, there, there's just so much research that tells us like, just move, just do it. You don't have to have like this specific thing written out to receive the benefits of moving. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's just really important to kind of help you with like the mental aspect of it too. And like the mental aspect of just going into the gym. Um, And then this was more for being an athlete, but being an athlete can be difficult both mentally and physically. Uh, One of the best things a coach or clinician can do for their athletes or patients is listen. So just recognizing when an athlete comes up to you and is talking to you, really hearing what they're saying Um, And recognizing, number one, is it within my scope of practice? That was good that we just talked about that. Um, And number two, what do they really need? Because sometimes people will say something um, and they're kind of hoping that you figure it out as well, which is hard. Uh, But you can get a lot from somebody from not just what they're verbally saying, but what when you're looking at them too, how are they saying it? Um, So just being good about listening. The last one that I was going to say was that if you take time off for like an injury or an off season, you're not starting from ground zero. And I think that's one of the most important things to realize. And and it's one, I think it's one of the reasons why people are so hesitant to take off seasons and like hesitant to take time off when they have like a nagging injury. Uh, because they don't want to start from ground one. They don't want to be like, oh gosh, now I have to start all over and now I'm out of shape and da, 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 da. Realize yeah. that you've been doing this for a while. So you're not starting from ground zero. It's not going to take you five years to get back to where you were at, right. depending on your injury. But so just realize that, you know, it, you're going to get back to where you were at. I just kind of went through that when um, I came back from my off season and I was like, I was like, oh no, I don't know how to move. This is cool. Um, but now we're moving into a fun phase where I'm actually getting back. Like I'm starting to feel like myself again. Uh, and it did not take two years. So that's good. <laughs> that's great advice, Danny. I really appreciate that. And kudos to you for taking the time. We started this by, by talking about kind of your reflection as an athlete and kind of evaluating your own personal place of, you know, where you were from a mental standpoint. So um, I know that that has had a lot to do with your success on and off the platform. So kudos to you for that. Um, Before I let you go though, we have a little game that you have to play. Um, And the game is called rapid fire, this or that. 
and I got some things and just got to say the first thing that comes to your head. You can't think about it. Just got to say it and we're going to move on. All right. Let me see how many of okay. these I think I can get correct. Um, and I'll be so sorry if I don't get them correct. Okay. Front squat, okay. back squat. Back squat. <laughs> snatch or clean and jerk? A snatch. Pre-workout or coffee? Pre-workout. Early morning workout or late night gym sesh? Late night gym sesh. Apple Watch or Garmin? Apple Watch because I don't know what Garmin is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, what's your favorite post-workout snack? Oh God, nothing. <laughs> well, um, it depends. It depends on the day, but sometimes just nothing. Vacay <laughs> okay. uh, to the mountains or beach bum by the ocean? Oh, beach bum. Country music or classic rock? Classic rock. Podcast or music? Music. Except this podcast. I love this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Good answer. Great answer. What emoji are you using the most right now? Oh, the, the little smiley face. I'm going to make the eyes like this with a smiley face one that's like, like, whereas you say something, you know what I'm saying? Like the little, like the cheeky one. <laughs> it's so basic. It's such a basic emoji. <laughs> Well, thank you so much to, to just to let you know, the only two that I did not get right was the, um, the early morning workout. No, I got that right. Oh, Apple watch or Garmin. I thought for some reason you had a Garmin, not quite sure why. That's um, upsetting. And the music or podcast. I thought you were more of a podcast girl, but maybe not. I knew the classic rock. Like we've already had this conversation about country music and you let me know exactly how you felt about it. <laughs> That's so, I'm so happy you know me so well. Oh my God. I was, yeah. I was like, this girl will snatch forever if you let her. I know. I know. I'll just, I would just, I just wouldn't clean a jerker competition. Like I would just snatch. Like, all right, I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. Well, this was fun, Danny. I'll definitely have to invite you back for part two when we get there to season two. Um, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Strength in the Details. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Follow us on Instagram at Strength in the Details for more information on future episodes and guests. Also, drop us a note. Let us know what topics you'd like to hear. You can support the podcast by liking and sharing content on social media or subscribing to the YouTube channel for free. You could visit the link in the bio, Strength in the Details, to donate to production costs or visit coachingkilos.com forward slash shop for new merch and represent strength in the details in the gym or on the go. Thanks so much for listening and we'll chat again soon. Until next time, may your squats be strong and your lifts be big. Here's to going beyond the reps and getting to the strength in the details.